This podcast is brought to you by BrunerAcademy.com, your online resource for the best public speaking, presentation, storytelling skills courses. Become a rock star communicator in any setting. Visit BrunerAcademy.com. The woman you're about to meet today is a wife, a mother, a former competitive golfer, former comedian, and former high school teacher, who is now a podcast host, an ethical lifestyle blogger, and so much more. Whew, that is quite a list of next chapters. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. My guest today is Molly Stillman, and she is truly living her best life. Molly, welcome to my podcast. I'm so happy to be here, Liz. Thank you so much for having me. You are passionate about inspiring people to know that they were created on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. So many people who are not sure of what their purpose is. So how do you figure that out? What do you believe your purpose is, and how can any of us figure our purpose out? Oh, man. Is that not like the million dollar question? (laughs) Yes, it is. That's why I'm asking. You're the expert here. (laughs) Oh, I would say I'm not even an expert. I'm kind of stumbling along just the way everybody else is. But to answer your question, what is my purpose? I'm laser focused in that I am on mission to spread joy. And that takes its forms in many different ways. I used to be a comedian. I was pursuing a career in sketch and improvisational comedy. And my dream was to be on Saturday Night Live. And that's what I thought that I was created to do. (laughs) And (laughs) through a very confusing and crazy series of life events, that obviously didn't happen. And I didn't move to New York City like I always thought I would. And Instead, I found myself in North Carolina, (laughs) which is like basically the exact same thing as New York City. Yes. But through just the ups and downs of life and, and going through what I like to refer to as my quarter life crisis, having to scale back all of the things that I thought mattered Mm. and instead pursue the thing that I was created for. I did not grow up uh, a Christian. I was really far from the Lord for most of my life, kind of stumbled backwards into coming into faith in Christ. I mean, I really am not exaggerating when I say that that was the most life-changing thing for me. It was really learning the difference between what I call, you know, kind of quote-unquote happiness Mm -hmm. and true joy. I'm not saying happiness is bad. But, you know, when I was going through a really dark time in my life, I looked happy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was not joyful. Through all of those experiences, my goal in life is to spread joy and to show people like what the true source of joy is. And that, like I said, that can manifest itself on Instagram to, to speaking at events and churches and conferences, telling stories on my podcast. It kind of walks out in a very different way. That's my laser-focused mission. And I ask myself that question before I do anything. I say, like, is this content or is this thing that I'm doing, is this bringing joy to people? Is this Mm -hmm. encouraging? Is this challenging people? And that's not to say that I don't share hard, difficult things. That's not true at all. In fact, I talk about a lot of really difficult things. Yes, you do. I also, on the other side, talk about that there's hope. Yes. There's hope outside of those things. Let's let's talk about some of those dark times because 
obviously your life is very different today than it was from many years ago. And when we go back to your childhood, you have written about being bullied, picked on, and mocked. How Mm -hmm. did those experiences shape you? They were formative. To be totally honest, here I am at almost 37 years old, still have to fight lies that often sneak back in. Mm. I mean, there was kids who made fun of everything from, you know, silly like elementary school type stuff where it's like they're making fun of the clothes that you're wearing or my name, childish bullying type things. But it even escalated to the point where there was a group of boys who would literally follow me home from school and hide in bushes and like pop out and throw dog food at me. At the point where there were times where I would pretend that I was sick just so I didn't have to go to school and face them. Mm. I spent years just really struggling with self-image issues. I was constantly told that I was too much or I laughed too loudly, you know, to tone it down. I mean, it even continued somewhat throughout middle school and high school. And I became more confident in who I was. But I started hearing these messages of like, I didn't quite fit in into any one particular group because I was a theater kid and a choir kid. But then I was also on the varsity golf team and I was the only girl. But even that, my coach, I didn't make the team for the first two years because I was a girl. Mm. He didn't want a girl on the team. and He thought girls wouldn't be as good as, as boys. And even though I was scoring as good, if not better than some of the guys on the team, I just, I was a girl. And so I had to prove myself even more. And the first time I made the golf team was my junior year. And that was because he literally couldn't deny that I was better than everyone else. <laughs> and sometimes the truth is going to come through, right? So I was constantly in these positions where different sources, whether it was adult figures or peers, where I was just hearing that I wasn't good enough for whatever it is. I didn't fit in. I even remember first jobs out of college. I was working for Governor Tim Kaine. He was the governor of Virginia at the time. And it was my first, you know, big fellowship right out of college. I got into this really exclusive program. And I remember one day I get pulled into my boss's office and kind of my supervisor. And he told me that I, my laughter was too loud. (laughs) And I just was like, am I, is this affecting my work? Like, I don't. (laughs) Wow. One of the things that I love about your blog posts and what you're just sharing with us right now is that authenticity and honesty that comes through. And in your writings, you talk about many of these experiences that you've gone through, including your mom was very sick and you grew up really, really fast as a result. And because of those experiences, you lived in fear. You lived on the edge and depression sank in. And you even say, quote, I was a total mess on the inside. Those are tough times. Yeah. So my mom got sick in the fall of 1994. I'm nine years old. We were renovating. We lived in this really old house. And my mom bought the house in the early 80s. It needed a lot of work. I mean, it had really no interior plumbing, minus like maybe one half bathroom. There was one electrical outlet upstairs and one electrical outlet downstairs. And everything was running with extension cords. Like it was just... Oh, but she saw this bay window that she thought would a Christmas tree would look great there, and she bought it. And so, (laughs) (laughs) oh, that's a reason to buy a house. A Christmas tree looks good, right? (laughs) Exactly. We were renovating like a kind of a front office upstairs. They had done some demolition on walls and things like that. And inside the walls, I mean, it's a hundred year old house, so there's 
who knows what. There was dead birds in the walls, toxic dust, Mm. all kinds of things. Within about 24 hours, my mom woke up the next morning foaming at the mouth. She was in pulmonary edema, rushed to the emergency room, had a chest tube placed, was fighting for her life. And after visiting you know, hospital after hospital, Johns Hopkins, uh, we eventually made our way out to Denver. And she was diagnosed with an extremely, extremely rare autoimmune disease. Oh, wow. It was all stemming from her exposure to Agent Orange when she served in Vietnam. She was exposed to these really super high levels of Agent Orange daily. Essentially, those toxins unlocked her immune system. Mm. And so her immune system was essentially just waiting for something to get in there. And whatever was in the walls of the home, whatever kind of you know toxins and things that were there got in. And just that was like, it was the perfect storm. Wow. At the time, they had given her about a two-year life expectancy. And she got eight years. My parents did a lot to try to protect me from the gravity of it all. They didn't even tell me that she had the two-year life expectancy because they didn't want it to weigh on me in any way. And very quickly, I knew her medication. My parents taught me how to drive at a really young age because they were like, you know, if you're somewhere with your mom and something happens to her and you need to drive her somewhere, like there were just a lot of things that I very quickly had to learn in order to to take care of her. And she passed away the fall of my senior year of high school. You write that all of that, and understandably so, made you even more angry. And you found your solace in a comedy. And you talked about that a little while ago, about being a comedian and doing sketches and improv, and you even dabbled in stand-up. And you did this for 12 years. Yeah. Okay. So why did you quit? I mean, yes, okay, maybe your dream of SNL wasn't going to happen. Is that why you quit? I mean, I took comedy classes. I would write sketch shows. I performed in college in my school's sketch comedy group. I would fly to New York City, you know, every chance that I got and take comedy classes and go to shows training centers. I would perform in all these different festivals around the country. You know, I moved to North Carolina and I was performing at a comedy theater here. And I was just really struggling emotionally, was in a, a pretty difficult relationship. And, you know, in the fall of 2010, I, I got saved. I started seeing my now husband and I was, you know, beginning to climb out of the pit. After my husband and I got married and we started planning for a family, you know, I just felt that the pace I was going at was just, it wasn't sustainable. Right. Anybody that does comedy full time and is really, like, they'll tell you it is a hard career. I mean, I look at some of my friends who I did comedy with, here they are in their mid to late 30s hustling and they are doing comedy mm. shows five to six to seven nights a week. And, you know, they, some of them might be married, but I would say almost none of them have kids. If that's the lifestyle choice they want to make, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a choice they made though, right? That's a choice. Yep. And that just wasn't, that wasn't it for me. (laughs) Well, another choice that you sort of didn't make along these list of talents that you have, and you played golf, you mentioned that a little while ago, but you also did it 10 years competitively and you did not go to the LPGA tour. And Mm -hmm. why did you quit golf? So my dad, he loved golf still loves golf. He's almost 78 and he is still as much as he can, he gets out and plays. And so when I was born, he very quickly was like, all right, how quickly can I put a golf club in her hand? <laughs> and so my first set of clubs he made for me, he, he 
you know, kind of sawed off a set of clubs, made them for me at the age of two. And I took a swing and he was like, oh, oh, she can, she has a natural swing. Like, I think, you know, she might be into this. And so, I mean, I just, I mean, I was two. So like, I, you know, would play around and tinker around, but really started kind of taking what I would call lessons around the age of six, played in my first tournament, I think at eight or nine. I played on uh, the International Junior Golf Tour. I played on the American Junior Golf Tour. I mean, I, you know, I played in tournaments all over and I had some offers from some universities to play, but I'll be honest, I was burned out. (laughs) I was burned out. And I got to a point towards the end of high school where I just, I looked at my dad and I said, dad, I I love golf, but it's not what I want to do for a living. And I think I kind of broke his heart a little bit because I think he really was hoping that I would, but I just... (laughs) You know, I think it was just something that I enjoyed and now I can go out and play for fun. But it was just, I mean, when you are really competitive, I mean, in the summer times, I was up, you know, with the sun and leaving the golf course with the sun. (laughs) And I had the really awesome golf tan with the the glove and the visor tan and the shorts tan, the sock tan. It was awesome. (laughs) I was looking good. I just knew it wasn't something that was what I was called to do professionally. Well, you did at least use those talents as the varsity golf coach when you were teaching high school English. And then we add to this incredible resume that you have. You had marketing experience, sales experience, even talk radio. And I'm just curious, what did you as a child think you wanted to be when you grew up? Because you've done so many different things. What was your what was your dream besides SNL? Well, honestly, it was SNL. It was SNL from as long as I can remember. I mean, I remember watching old Gilda Radner sketches and I was born in 85. And so I I grew up during the era of, you know, Mike Myers and Ed Murphy and Chris Rock and Tina Fey and Anna Gasteyer, Rachel Dratch. Like I just grew up watching these comedians and being like, oh, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to (laughs) do. When I think back, like I don't even really think that I wanted to do anything else. I mean, I I knew that I loved to be on stage. So like when I first went to college, I actually was a musical theater major. So I oh. thought like maybe some performing arts, you know, maybe Broadway or something like that. But I just I loved to sing, I loved to act and I wanted to do something where I was I was performing and and you know using those kind of artistic abilities so to speak. Yes. Well, what I think is so interesting is all of those experiences and then your writing in college, that's when you started blogging and now you're the founder and creator of Still Being Molly, which is a life and style blog and you're also the host of The Business with Purpose podcast. And I'm grateful and honored. And thank you very much again. I loved being on your show. Tell us about your show for those people who may not know about it. Yeah, we had so much fun when we talked. My show was started in the summer of 2016. It is a interview style show where I get to sit down with just incredible people like you and incredible people who are you know, using their one life to make an impact, not only through, you know, just kind of their, you know, volunteerism or things like that, but like with their careers. Mm-hmm. And they chosen to use business or their vocational pursuits as a force for good and change. And, you know, I get to sit down with everything from like CEOs to, you know, kind of community activists or nonprofit leaders 
just people that are really laser focused um, in their particular passions and areas. And my goal, and and this kind of almost goes back to answer that first question you asked is like, how do people discover their purpose? And I really believe very, very strongly that we were created to serve others, that we were given gifts. It's a form of God's grace. You're to be a steward of that gift and to serve others with that gift. And so my my goal is to show people that you can use whatever gifts and passions that you have to serve others. We were not created to be self-focused. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, our innate nature is to be self-focused. But when we take the focus off of ourselves and to and to put it on other people and think, how can I serve others today? How can I bring more peace and more joy to the world? Mm-hmm. We are really functioning the way we were created to. Well, right now, these days, as you you talked about Instagram a little while ago, and I love following you because I love to see a lot of your photos, and you've got pictures of the farm and goats and chickens and hens and all kinds of animals. How does living on this farm feed your soul? As of this recording, we have been living here physically a year, but this was a dream and a vision of our family for a long time. You know, it just kind of finally came to fruition, which has been just a huge blessing in and of itself to be able to see the actual answer to prayer that we've had for so long. We are not that far removed, you know, generationally from like our grandparents' generation who were, many of them were living on farms and growing their own food and raising animals, making soap. And you know what I mean? Like kind of some of these things that, that almost seem archaic, but yet, people did for literally thousands and thousands of years. Right. You know, while I don't like to think that I'm like, you know, some hippie tree hugger or anything like that. (laughs) I love seeing God's creation at work. When you're planting a garden and you look at the tiniest little seed, like I look at like the seeds for spinach and it's just this tiny, like I can barely barely fit it in my finger because it's so tiny. And I'm like, wait, is it there? I can't, I can't even, and then you plant it and then just spinach just comes out. And then the more you pick it, the more it grows. I'm like, how does that happen from that tiny little seed? We raise chickens and and guinea fowl and ducks. And uh, one of our hens decide to go broody, which means she wants to hatch her own egg. She's like ready to become a mom. For 21 days, this chicken just like knows innately to sit on these eggs and to protect these eggs. And she barely leaves the nest and she like sacrifices her own well-being for the sake of protecting these eggs. She only leaves the nest maybe once a day to get a little bit of food and water. And then she immediately goes back and she just knows what to do. And she knows at day 21 that her chicks are going to hatch. And we watched those chicks hatch. And then all of a sudden those chicks knew exactly what to do, that this was mom. And then they would like, crawl underneath of her wings to stay warm and her and now I'm watching her show her chicks how to forage and scratch and find bugs to eat and all these things and I'm just like I didn't teach them that (laughs) how do they just know how to do this and I'm like God is so creative in the way that he he created these animals to do these things I mean it's fascinating it is this is what we were created for and it's magical All right, one last question, and I'm stealing it from your show that we did together, because when I was on your show, you asked me, what was my guilty pleasure? And I think I said (laughs) chocolate. So Molly, what is your guilty pleasure besides burritos and Diet Coke? (laughs) I was going to say burritos and Diet Coke, Chipotle and uh, Diet Coke, totally. 
our primary bathroom has a jetted tub. And like, I will mm. get in that with a delicious beverage of some kind and a book, <laughs> candles. And like, I realize that some people are like, this is a really cliche answer. I'm like, you don't understand. This is my happy place. Like just sitting in that tub with something like candles lit around me and a book and a beverage. Like I, yes, give it to me seven days a week, every single night. I love it so much. <laughs> I love that. That's a great answer. All right, folks, if you want to check out Molly's website, which is stillbeingmolly.com. That's literally like I said, it's stillbeingmolly.com. You're going to find out so much more about her and her podcasts and her blog posts and a whole bunch of other things. Molly, thank you so much for joining me today and, and really for having the courage to share your life story and how you've risen above and found real purpose and meaning to live your best life and help others do the same. Thank you so much. This was such a, a fun conversation. and I just adore you, Liz. Oh, ditto right back at you. <laughs> And thanks to all of you for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Please share your comments and subscribe to this show. We are heard around the world. May Molly's story inspire you to find and live your purpose. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud fast twitch media can take you there be your best digital self check out fast twitch media dot space <laughs>